You're listening to Sustainability Inc., a new limited series podcast from Boston Consulting Group, produced by Fortune Brand Studio. The views and opinions expressed by podcast speakers and guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Fortune. Hello, I'm Gaia Vince, host of Sustainability Inc. Throughout the 12 episodes in our series, we'll be delving into the innovative, inspiring missions of top companies around the globe, talking to the business leaders at the front lines of achieving real climate impact. With the stakes higher than ever and the opportunity to make a difference greater than ever, these are the stories to inspire us all to join the urgent fight for true sustainability. Everything we use, from the chair you're sitting on to the device you're listening to, was made using the planet's resources of materials and energy. We now have more and more brilliant products than ever, fulfilling our every need. And when we're ready to throw them away, there are plenty more products to replace them. But in a world of finite resources, this linear process is wasteful and unsustainable. We can do better. Some companies are starting to factor a product's end of life into the design process, choosing materials that can be reused and figuring out ways of keeping precious resources circulating for longer, rather than adding to the world's waste problem. Plastic has proved particularly tricky. It's used in a vast number of products because it's so flexible and durable, but it's also difficult to recycle. As a result, a lot of our plastic products end up as waste rather than being useful. With me for this episode is Shalini Unikrishnan, Managing Director and Partner at Boston Consulting Group. Shalini, so many of the products we use end up as waste, polluting soils, rivers and oceans. But why is this a business crisis? Well, pollution and waste affects the very natural resources that companies are trying to use. It affects, in fact, longevity and health of the very consumers they're trying to serve, etc. But there's a larger issue at play, which is the societal context for business has changed. The pressures are coming from multiple directions, escalating investor activism, increasing consumer awareness, mounting regulatory action, rising employee expectations. And so you find companies today deeply examining their purpose and really thinking about their role in society. And what's even better and more important, maybe even for businesses, is that the evidence is mounting that the companies that tackle these issues are being rewarded in valuations, in margins, in loyalty, in employee retention, and many, many other ways. So it is absolutely a business crisis, but also a business opportunity. A household name with a lot of history, Tupperware is not a brand that's letting history hold them back from a sustainable future. COO and CFO of Tupperware brands, Sandra Harris, joins us to share their impact on both packaging and food waste. Tell me a little bit about what Tupperware's been doing about thinking about a product's end of life right from the beginning. It all began with creating quality, durable, and reusable products. And although a lot of our products are resin and plastic-based, they're truly intended to help reduce the footprint of single-use plastics around the world. Can you explain what the circular economy is and how Tupperware is getting involved? 
Our purpose is to nurture a better future and do that through environmentally friendly products that last a lifetime. You have product that probably has been handed down to generations. It's something that we're proud of because we want you to reuse the product. So that's step one. The other step is paving the path to the elimination of single-use plastics, not only through innovation, but we also want to create the circularity around everything related to our products. So, you know, as we look toward what else we can do to help live out our purpose of being environmentally friendly, we're also looking for circularity impacts around how we package our products. We've set internal goals for ourselves to ensure that we're eliminating non-recyclable, non-compostable, non-biodegradable, and non-reusable plastic packaging associated with our products to ensure that we're reducing the footprint that we have in the world. You're not just thinking about what it will look like on the shelf. It's a fundamentally different strategy. Can you explain why you're doing that and what you tell the designers? From the design to the end use of the product, we're even willing to take it back and we can regrind the product. Not always use it in food storage, but we can make other storage products through our yes method that we have in our manufacturing facilities. Not all of our products are necessarily are as environmentally friendly as we would wish. And so as we look to renew those products, if we continue to carry them, we look to have a change in potentially the makeup of those products. Part of it started with introducing planet-friendly material. We have a material called Eco Plus to advance a circular economy and to offer climate-smart options to our consumers around the world. And we started that in 2019. Our first product that we produced with this Eco Plus was sourced from a company called Sabic. And Sabic has a circular polymer that is made from 99% mixed plastic waste that's collected from municipalities all around the world to prevent items from going into incinerators or landfill. Yeah. Now, at the moment, there are a few companies, but not very many, that are really trying to make headway in the circular economy. It's still very, very new. But what would spur more companies to get involved? I think we need some type of renewed commitment. We have a partnership now with Eastman in relation to the products called Triton T and Renew. And the issues that we have, we can't get enough of it. We love this. It's a product that was made from a circular polymer from recycled PET bottles. And for us, it creates an amazing, highly durable, dishwasher safe product. And so anything we can do to help companies like Eastman to create more capacity, to create more supply for us to have these products. We found the right profit point. We found the right place for these. And they're the core to what we do from an innovation standpoint. But we do need also our partners and our companies to have the ability to expand and invest in these types of partnerships. I also think that generating innovation funds could help make this a priority of companies to really continue to look at how we can reuse materials and create new materials from them and support that through investments. I prefer to see companies themselves recognize the benefit of having these types of products to offer to other companies so that together we can make the world better. Is there an inherent contradiction with a material that is so durable and so versatile that we then use it and throw it away. We don't reuse it. I would hope people don't throw our products away. I mean, I know people cling to them. So <laughs> from my experience at Tupperware, it's one of the reasons I'm here. As a little girl, Tupperware was in my life. And what's interesting to me is how many generations we've handed down the product through and how we sort of fight over who gets the product. So when you create such a durable product that people are willing to reuse, it gives them a solution to just throw it away. And I think the price point does make a difference. With Tupperware, I think people realize the value that's there. 
Yeah, well, my fridge is certainly full of leftovers in Tupperware containers. <laughs> so where is the company going now in this circularity? What's your goal? As we look toward the future, we're really focusing on that zero landfill waste. That's something that's really important for year. We also are looking to reduce water usage in our manufacturing plants. We're looking at ways we can reduce the greenhouse gas emissions. We're really committed to looking at our packaging solutions and other things to continue to improve our footprint. And then ensuring that we identify more and more product lines that can be made with partnerships that provide us with sustainable materials to help improve the products that we're making and continue to be committed to our purpose. As Sandra points out, reusable products can last a lifetime. But still, it's important to pay attention to what happens to products when they reach the end of their usefulness. So Charlene, what do we mean by product end of life? The traditional model that we have followed for a very long time is we use a product and once it's done, we trash the product and we go on to getting a new version of that product. What happens to that product after we are done using it for its initial purpose. And it is important because the waste that is accumulating is actually creating a lot of detrimental effect to our ecosystems. We hear the common refrain about how there's more plastic in the ocean than fish. So there is a pollution aspect and that it is affecting our systems. So being able to reuse is really critical for us to be able to maintain and sustain our consumption levels on this planet. So it is critical that we start to think about not end of life, but the next use of that product and how it can be circular and be given a new life. So what innovations, technological or otherwise, are you seeing that are really exciting you at the moment? The thing that is really exciting to me is the business model innovations that are happening where companies are rethinking their role, they are rethinking their portfolio, they are rethinking packaging itself, how their product is being delivered, etc. As Sandra also mentioned, Tupperware works with Eastman, a company that specifically focuses on repurposing and breaking down hard to recycle materials that might otherwise be incinerated or end up in a landfill, like plastics. Kathy Combs, Director of Sustainability at Eastman, explains just how this works. Kathy, I was fascinated to hear that Eastman has come up with this innovative way to really break down that plastic into a more usable form. Tell me about it. Well, we're very excited too, because, you know, there's about 300 million pounds of plastic produced every year and only about 12% of that's getting recycled now. And so people are familiar with the existing mechanical recycling where plastic is collected and cleaned and chopped and created into new plastics. But there are a lot of hard to recycle materials that can't go through that process. And so Eastman is really excited to be able to bring our molecular recycling technology to the forefront. We can address those hard to recycle plastics and be complementary to the mechanical recycling system. We're able to collect materials, break them back down to carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. It's like Legos. I've just had a takeaway meal in a plastic container. I could throw that in the trash. That could eventually end up in your facility. What would happen to it? So we would collect that plastic, bring it in, and we would chop it up to get it into the right form so that it could go through our process. 
what I would say is there's really two different processes that we have, and so we can take different kinds of materials. So we have one process that we call polyester renewal technology. So think about polyester materials. Like if you think about colored beverage bottles, like green beverage bottles, or you think about shampoo bottles, things that are not easy to recycle today. We would bring those back, we would chop them up to get them into the right form, and then we would take those through our polyester renewal technology and take them back down to the polymer molecules. And so rather than breaking them all the way back down, we just break them back one step. And so there's not a lot of energy to break them down, and it doesn't take all that energy to build them back up. And so we basically just form them into new polymers and new plastic materials that can be used. The other process we call carbon renewal technology, and think of things like textiles, clothing, carpet, those kinds of things that go to landfill today. And it's such a shame because there's value, there's carbon in those materials that can be unlocked. So our carbon renewal process then breaks those down to the same form, and then after it's broken down to that molecular level, builds those up into new materials that linear production model where we take the natural resource and we make a product, that product is used. At the end of the product's life, it's either burnt to release lots of carbon dioxide with all those problems, or it goes to landfill. So what you're doing is you're breaking that linear path and making it circular. I think it is so important if you think about the circular economy as opposed to that linear economy we've been used to. And to me, it's really about creating a new ecosystem, if you will, where we're rethinking what is waste, you know, because you think about so many of these materials that we've just been talking about, there's tremendous value that's still locked in those materials. So rather than going back to those fossil feedstocks and really getting those virgin materials that we're going to use one time and then throw away or bury in a landfill, we're creating that ecosystem where we're changing the paradigm of what's waste and what's not. You reduce waste at one end, but you also reduce the input of natural resources with all the ecological destruction that that can cause at the other end. Exactly. It's really just a shift in mindset. And in some ways, we're coming back to a way of life, I think, that was very prevalent in previous generations, where if you think about people growing up on a farm, everything was used to the fullest, right? And you kept it in play. And I really love this idea of a, a circular economy why did Eastman get involved in any of these processes? At our heart, we are an innovation company. We're a 100-year-old company, and we've always been about innovation, but we see innovation and sustainability really being strongly linked. It's how do I show up and how does my company show up to channel the innovation we have to offer for a positive impact? And how have your customers responded to this? Are you getting lots of requests for essentially a cleaner plastic? Yes, and what we really need is to build the infrastructure. So having the collection systems in place so that we are able to effectively collect the waste plastic and process the waste plastic to get it you know, back to companies like Eastman as a feedstock, that's what's missing. How soon do you think till we find a solution that works for poorer countries as well? How are we going to balance that as a global population? You know, I think this is the beginning. And I think as uh, this is responded to by the market, by consumers, it will take off from there. So look at plastic, for example. Even though some of it is labelled recyclable, in the developing world, there are plenty of places that don't have the facilities or the capacity to do this. Sharlini, what's your take on this? 
So the question of plastic pollution is there's an infrastructure challenge. Even if we do put things into the right trash bins and so on, there's an infrastructure problem in that many of these recyclable materials, there's not enough infrastructure to actually recycle it. There's a sorting problem in that these waste streams are not necessarily clean enough for it to be processed and to get enough materials back out for recycled content to be used. There are problems in technology and innovation as well because some of the plastic is actually not very recyclable to begin with. We're seeing a lot of momentum and movement in the right direction to make changes happen. Companies are working hard to lightweight their products and reduce the amount of unnecessary plastic packaging. Consumers are becoming much more aware and trying to change behaviors and sorting. We are building new technologies that sort our waste better. Infrastructure build is happening, although not fast enough. And there's a lot of technological innovation happening as well. To push things in the right direction, new technologies, businesses and innovations must remain attractive and viable for companies and consumers alike. And policies and infrastructure to support them must be put in place. Steve Mahone, CEO of Mura Technology Limited, speaks to this when talking about his company's goals. So plastic is a real pollution problem at the moment. We produce a lot more than we can recycle. We're actually only recycling a very, very small fraction globally. So what we need to do is somehow get away from this linear model where we manufacture plastic and then it ends up being destroyed and we start again making new plastic. And Mira's come up with a really exciting new development. Tell us about it. So plastic itself is a fantastic material that modern society needs, but the problem has been where plastic ends up and how it's disposed of. And really that's what's caught the public's imagination and now more recently, you know, politicians and regulators. And what we've tried to look at or what we have developed is a solution where we can take plastics that can't be mechanically recycled. So we take materials which have had food contact or laminated materials, but roughly half of plastics at the moment go toward incineration or to landfill. And we want to divert those materials away and take them down a recycling route. And really with our system, we take the plastics back into the raw building blocks of new plastics. So they go back into the whole material supply chain to make new materials. And in theory, you can go around that loop again and again and again. So it is genuinely, we're an enabler of the circular economy. So we're doing what nature takes, you know, 200 million years to do in about 30 minutes. So we are reversing that whole cycle and replacing fossil fuels. So you're right, nearly all plastics come from fossil in origin, but nearly all plastics get used once and then they're discarded of and either burnt or landfilled. And what we think is that's an incredible waste of energy and resource and carbon. Someone has gone to huge effort and energy expenditure to take it out of the ground. What we want to do is say, well, don't take more out of the ground. Keep using it. Use it again and again and again. And the efficiency in our process enables you to do this, like I say, in 30 minutes. So you can have a very low carbon route to recycling plastics. How are you going to get your feedstock? Are you teaming up with any recycling companies or collection companies? One thing that's really important is you have to work with all parts of the whole supply chain. In this case, it's a circular chain. And if you really want to get a technology adopted at scale, you can't do it in isolation. But we realised we had to try to 
pull partnerships together that would allow us to adopt this with the whole supply chain together rather than us as a lone champion or a lone voice. I think what we find is that there's a huge quantity of waste going into landfill or incineration. And so we definitely need to work with the waste industry to offer them a recycling route for materials which they can't actually recycle at the moment. And of course, then we work with partners on the other side, which is for help them make plastics with higher recycled content, which again, consumers and brands and regulators are all driving plastic manufacturers and plastic users to have a higher recycled content. I mean, this could be a profitable enterprise, right? I have long believed that if you want to see societal change or businesses work for societal benefit and environmental benefit, the best way of doing that is to find an economic model that drives that change and then attract capital to help accelerate that change. And actually, at the moment, I think our assumptions are proving valid and we are seeing this is an entirely economically stable and viable business model. It feels like there's been a sea change in how people have responded to the problem of plastic waste. So tell me about your technology. It does feel like that. And we have been really pleased with the commercial demand for what we're doing and the ability and the desire to scale this up really quickly. So we have seen really all of the major packaging brands. We're seeing all the major plastics, resin manufacturers and converters all waking up to the fact that they have to have more recycled content in their product. And that's been driven by their customers. And so that's where we fit into this. So if I had a million tons of product available today, I could sell it multiple times over. There is so much demand for recycled resin and recycled hydrocarbons. Now, there's lots of other companies around the world who are also looking at this really urgent need to be able to recycle plastics much more widely. What makes your system better? Well, we have a different technological approach, which is a hydrothermal liquefaction solution. We use water under pressure and temperature to take what we call a molecular scissors. We take the hydrocarbon molecules and we snip them into smaller lengths to back to their building blocks. It's a bit like cooking pasta. You can cook a very large bowl of pasta or a small bowl of pasta, depending on what you want. It scales very easily if you're using water as your medium to heat. If you weren't, if you were trying to get the heat from the outside of the pan to inside, it wouldn't heat evenly and you'd end up with everything being burnt around the edges and not very warm in the middle. So fundamentally, we have a medium which heats more easily and allows you to scale up. And scale is important, we believe, because the industry, their appetite is in the hundreds of thousands of tonnes of product a year or greater. So if you can't operate fundamentally at scale, you aren't going to solve the needs of your customers and your supply chain. The next part of it is efficiency, because recycling but without decarbonisation, I think, isn't a solution. So you can have circularity, but you've got to have that with a decarbonisation angle as well. So our process is really efficient. The carbon molecules in the plastics nearly all go into products to make new plastics. We don't have much in the way of waste from our process. I think this is where the industry has perhaps fallen behind being focused only on circularity. And I think you can't have circularity and high carbon emissions. That's not a solution. So we've, from day one, looked at both aspects of this and believe we have a solution that meets that aspiration of both circularity and low carbon. A circular economy is a path forward and one that many companies are able to step towards thanks to innovations and new technology. As we advance, so do our options for the future. Now, there are some technological solutions that are just on the horizon, 
Shalini, what are you putting your money on? I think the innovations are exciting. They're going to be an important part of the portfolio of solutions that we need. But unfortunately, there is no silver bullet. There is going to be no bioplastic in the next five, 10 years that is going to solve all of the problems for us because these products have to be A, available at scale, B, meet a whole lot of technical barrier requirements and other technical requirements for packaging. I believe that any of us that are working in this space have to be optimistic to keep going. So I am optimistic that we will have a circular economy, but we are a long way away from it. We're seeing a lot of exciting development. We're seeing a lot of the right forces come to play in terms of consumer, investor, regulator, employee activism and companies taking action, etc. And so there's lots of reasons to be optimistic, but there's a long way to go before we can be a fully global circular economy. We're heading towards a future where materials can be reused eternally and everything we make is part of that circularity, just as it is in natural systems. Mining our waste streams for precious resources means your plastic bottle today could be part of someone's chair tomorrow. So with that activism, action and of course optimism, we can commit to making a global circular economy a reality. Sustainability Inc. is a Boston Consulting Group podcast produced by Fortune Brand Studio without the participation of the Fortune editorial staff. Join us next time when we'll explore the ways to decarbonize the transport industry through electrification and synthetic fuels. Thank you for listening to Sustainability Inc. Please subscribe, download and leave comments and ratings wherever you listen.